0: Praise God. So as many, of you, uh, as many of you know, our church believes in, church believes in the uh, prophetic gift. And uh, back in 2010, uh, Ben Goodman spoke into my life, and, and uh, as I have it recorded, he said, uh, Brother, you're going to have opportunities to speak in the church. God wants to encourage you to speak from your heart, not your head. You're always going to have structure. You're always going to have a point and all that sort of stuff. Can't you just hear them? Uh, but God wants to, uh, to tap the deep things in your heart. And so what I'd like to talk about this morning is what I really care about, what, uh, what tugs at my heart. And um, what I really care about is, is you guys, is each and every one of you guys and your families. And what tugs on my heart more than anything is that when you're robbed of the joy that you could have in Christ Jesus? So let me just say this openly, I'll get it out there for everybody to hear. Leah and I she's gone too, so Leah and I, we don't have it all together. I know some of you are nodding like, Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> but life can be tough, right? Challenges are real and everybody has, you know, their own unique challenges, but their challenges nonetheless. Um, so when you see me here on Sunday morning, you know, it might look like life is a walk in the park, um, because this is one of the happiest places in the world for me. Um, but just because I have a smile on my face doesn't mean that, that I or, uh, my wife and I are exempt from, um, from challenges as well. So how many of you, uh, love being here on Sunday morning? Um. And you're as happy as you can possibly be while we're worshiping, while we're listening to the message. But as soon as you leave this place, life gets real, and life gets challenging, and we have problems, and we're not perfect. Show of hands. All right. So I think that was just about everybody in their hands, so, or everybody had their hand up. So um, that means that the only one that's perfect in this church is Who? Pastor Mike, but he's not here this morning. Just kidding. Seriously, though, all of us struggle. Uh, all of us hurt. We all need help. And that, you know, that's really, guys, that's the beauty of the body. Uh, and that's what it's supposed to look like is that when we're going through challenges in life, when we're going through trials, that, that we can be transparent about those with each other. Okay? That we don't have to hide behind Uh, a smile on our face on Sunday morning and then get in the car and life looks completely different, okay? So anybody that knows me uh, knows that the book of James is a book that has captured my attention from the minute that I started reading it. And, you know, I think that the reason for that is because I felt like James was talking about me. Uh, There was a time in my life when... um, When I was sitting in church every Sunday, I was raising my hands during worship. I was a part of a life group, but I wasn't living a Christian life, a moral life even. Yeah, I was living a moral life too, but a Christian life, no. And I didn't even know it. You know, I love the book of James because I can hear the passion that he has for the people. I hear the concern that he has for the people. And who is James referring to in his writings? Who is James writing to? James is not writing to people who have never heard about Jesus before. He's not. James is writing to people who proclaim to be Christians. So he's writing to the people in the churches, and, and what he's saying in this book is that it's not only possible, but it's probable that there, are in, that there are people in church who although they can talk about Jesus and they might look like Christians, right? Because we've all learned how to talk and, and kind of look like Christians. What he's saying is that it's not only po- uh, possible, but it's probable that even though we might be in church, it's possible, probable, that some of us may be deceived. So here's my challenge this morning with James, is that there are some of you uh, new believers here this morning. Um, and so with this message, the last thing that I want to do is put your fire up. Because we all start from somewhere. And so to those of you new believers, I want to tell you to keep up the good work. Okay, I want to tell you that uh, what we're looking for and what you need to put your trust in is progress, not perfection. Okay, So keep up the good work. But simultaneously, guys... I ache because I know that there are some of you in this room who come to church on the weekend and consider yourself a moral person, and yet you're not living out your faith. You have the knowledge to know that faith will set you free, and that faith is the key, but according to your actions, you haven't fully bought in. You haven't fully committed to saying, yes, I believe that Jesus is, is Lord. I believe that the Bible is the truth and the word of God. And I surrender my life to his will. So if you were anything like me at one point in time, somebody probably said, you want to go to heaven or you want to go to hell? And you're like, I'll take heaven. Right? And you might have even repeated a prayer. Okay? Um, But the commitment, excuse me, the commitment and the obedience to him isn't there. You know, you've learned what the book says. You've heard the studies. You've maybe read the Bible. Okay? But the application piece of this is missing. And what I'm telling you is that if the application piece is missing from your faith, that it's possible that you're being deceived. What some of you might feel right now Is who does this guy think he is? What gives him the right to judge? But, guys, what I would contend is that it would be incredibly unloving for me to not say anything if, in fact, you think that you're living a Christian life, but maybe you're being deceived. This is not me judging. Remember that there was a time, there was a time that James was talking about me. The book of James is about true faith. It's about true faith. So it's my heart that when we hear the word of James this morning, that, that we look to ourselves. Okay? It's going to be easy to look around and judge because, as, as we saw, nobody in this room is perfect. Okay? But it's my heart that you would focus on yourself this morning. And it's my hope, it is my hope that the Holy Spirit would be working in our hearts this morning, working in this message and speaking to you. So I'm going to present to you what James has to say. And I'm going to let the Holy Spirit work this morning. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for this day. I thank you for the incredible opportunity that we have to worship you, God. And I thank you for the privilege of sharing what I believe you put on my heart this morning. Lord, I ask that our hearts would be open to receiving the message that you have for us. I pray that if I would say anything that's not your desire, God, that it would fall immediately to the ground and that it wouldn't cause any damage. God, I love you, I thank you, and I praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. So um, so we're going to look at the first chapter in James. I had ambition to get through um, the first couple of chapters and maybe even the third. <laughs> oh, we might be lucky to get through the first one. Uh, so I want to encourage you. If you guys are looking for something to study, uh, you're in between Bible studies or something like that, pick up the, pick up the book of James uh, and dive in. It's really a fierce book. Um, so you can open up your Bible to James 1 or your phones to James 1. And as a forward, I got to tell you that, you know, James isn't necessarily a real happy book. Uh, this is not necessarily going to be a real happy message either. So Um, you know, because it's Mother's Day, possibly I should have chosen something with a little more feel-good in it. Um, But because I love you guys, because I care about you, and because this is what's tugging on my heart, this is the message that you guys get today. So if you don't like it, you can blame Ben Goodman. (laughs) So James 1. Uh, Verse number 2. Trials and temptations. Verse 2 says, consider it Pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete and not lacking anything. So what is this saying? Life is going to bring trials. Life is not going to be easy. In fact, Life is going to be hard sometimes. James doesn't say to count it as pure pure joy if life brings trials. He says when you face trials of many kinds. He says to count it as joy, to keep your head up, show your faith, persevere. Guys, this is a reliance on God. It's a surrender. It's faith that he who is in you is greater than Anything that the world is going to throw at you. And I know that there were times in my life that when the going got tough, I went back to me. I went back to, to my ways, to my comforts, and my own security. And I think that it's to those actions that James is speaking. So, what do we do when we face trials? Do we run? Do we hide? Do we sulk or drown our sorrows in the first fix that we can put our hands on? And how do we handle conflict? Do we yell? Do we pout? Do we scream or hit or do we let our anger run wild? Do we start swearing? What do we do? James says to consider a joy. He doesn't say that you should be happy about it, but he says consider it joy. So what's the difference? Google knows. <laughs> joy is cultivated internally. It comes uh, when you make peace with who you are, how you are, and why you are. Right? So it's a peace that you have about yourself, about knowing who you are, why, and how you are. Whereas happiness tends to be externally triggered, Not my language. And it's based on other people, other things, other places, thoughts, and events. Okay? So with that, I don't think that you can have pure joy without Jesus Christ. Because joy, again, is about who you are, how you are, and why you are. And if your identity isn't in Jesus Christ, then what's it in? And when trials come, if if we don't have faith in Jesus Christ, a pure faith, true faith in Jesus Christ? Well, it's no wonder why I faced the trials the way that I did, that I responded the way that I did. So consider it joy, James says. Why? Because the testing of your faith through these trials are going to grow you. They're going to pr- produce a perseverance so that you can be mature and complete, not lacking anything, so that we can become everything That God has called us to be. That we would be an example of his grace. That would be an example of his glory. They're going to make us stronger, plain and simple. But is that the attitude that we respond with? I know for many years I responded with a combination of things. Uh, The first thing that I would do is try to avoid trials at all costs. Try to avoid them at all costs. So what did that do? That limited my potential. and limited um, my calling. And if there was a trial, I'd try to run. I'd try to run. Or I'd snag the first fix that made me feel a little bit better inside. And if there wasn't a fix there, I'd probably become angry. I'd get defensive. Maybe isolate. Can you see the enemy working in that? I'm not saying that if you have an outburst of anger once in a while that you need to, to rethink whether you're saved or not. That's, that's not what I'm talking about at all, and I don't think that's what James is talking about either. But if this is your consistent approach, then I think we've got problems. I, act, I acted that way because although I didn't realize it at the time, my faith was more in myself than in God. My dependence was more on myself than on anything else. So now compare what we just talked about the way that I was responding to having a true and genuine faith, a reliance on him, a faith that allows us to unite with the body, a faith that um, allows us to come together and be transparent and build each other up, a faith that's going to allow us to grow more mature and stronger in our dependence on him. Guys, these trials aren't a a waste. They're not a waste at all. They're, They're what he wants to use to make us stronger. So how are you responding to them? Think of the last trial that you went through. Think of the current trial you're going through. And I'm not saying that we need to be perfect. It's the last thing I'm saying, of course. But what I am saying is that If we're consistently reacting in a negative way to trials and temptations, then you need to seriously think about your level of faith in Jesus Christ. Verse 5. But if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But he must ask in faith without any doubting, for the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For that man uh, not to expect that he'll receive anything from the Lord, being a double-minded man, unstable in all of his ways. So what's James saying here? If you don't understand why you're going through the trials that you're going through, what? Ask him. Like I said before, he wants to use these trials to grow us. Ask him for wisdom. But again, we see true faith come into the picture because it says that we must ask without any doubting, for the one who doubts shouldn't expect to receive anything from the Lord. This is challenging. This was challenging for me. Think about what I was going through with this. So I didn't realize how much I was lacking in my faith. I was deceived. Okay? I had a head knowledge about God and his promises. But that was about it. And James says that that's not enough. So if we're deceived in church and think things are going well in our walk with God, but we don't have a true faith, we haven't fully surrendered to him, believe in him, then there's no way that we're going to respond well in these situations. First, we're going to run like I did. And while we're running, we're going to be asking God, why is this happening to me? But in our running, it's evident that we don't have the true faith that James tells us about in verse, verse 6 that you must ask for uh, without doubting or you shouldn't expect to hear anything. So, so now we're running, and we're not hearing from God, and you can see why I'm so concerned about this, this true faith, this genuine faith. Because you can almost see the enemy running alongside He's telling you, run faster. I told you he wasn't real. I told you he's not listening to you. I told you he doesn't care about you. So you can see why true faith is absolutely necessary. Go to verse 9. But the brother of humble circumstances is to glory in his high position. And the rich man is to glory in his humiliation. Because like flowering grass, he will pass away. For the sun rises with a scorching wind and withers the grass. As flowers fall off and the beauty of its appearance is destroyed, so too the rich man in the midst of his pursuits will fade away. What's James talking about here? A brother in humble circumstances is to glory in his high position. A brother going through trials and temptations is in a great place because the Lord is sculpting him. The Lord is, is molding him and strengthening him. And the rich man is to glory in his humiliation. Who's the rich man here? The one who's not facing his trials. The one who lacks the true faith. The one who runs from his trials, doesn't face them head on to maybe pursue other things. And while it may look pretty on the outside, what it says here is it's like a flower which withers, and there's no strength. Verse 12. Verse 12 says, "Blessed is a man who perseveres under trial. For once he has been approved, he will see, re- receive, excuse me, the crown of life which the Lord has promised." To those who love Him, blessed is the man who faced trials head on, knowing that God would use Him to mold Him and make Him stronger. Blessed is the man who got through these trials, and is strong in Him. He, he will be the one who will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised. Down to verse nineteen. This you know, my beloved brethren. But everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. The anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. What a message for today. Quick to hear and slow to speak. You want to know why Facebook's so popular? This problem's been around for a really, really long time. Everybody wants to have a voice. Everybody wants to have a voice. And if they do look like they're listening or they're pretending to listen, what they're really doing is just thinking about the next thing that they want to say as soon as somebody takes a breath or there's a gap in the conversation. James is telling us, urging us, to take the time to listen. Slow down. Take the time to understand. And then in verse 21, he says, Therefore, putting aside all filthiness and all that re, uh, remains of wickedness, in humility, receive the word implanted, which is able to save your souls. In humility, okay, meekness, receive that. James says, slow down. Listen to the word. Humble yourselves. And let the word soak in. Verse 22, but prove yourselves doers of the word and not merely hearers who deceive themselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks at his natural face in the mirror. For once he has looked at himself and gone away, he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. This is my favorite part because I'm an application guy. All right? So there are many of us in this room who are involved in life groups, like I was, Bible studies. We do morning devotions. We might do a devotion with our spouse at night. We might come to, ch- to church and hear the message on the morning. Might even attend a Sunday school before the, ch- uh, the church service. And what James is saying here is that if we're not going to do anything with the information that we learn, what's the point? Why are we here? Why are we wasting our time on this? Now, I'll give you an example. If I, you can know everything about the game of baseball or or football or uh, basketball. But if you don't put your knowledge into practice, guess what? You're not a basketball player or a football player, okay? And what I'm saying here is that there are some of you in this room right now who know a lot about being a Christian. You know a What the Bible says. You've done the Bible studies. You've done the research. But if you're not going to put your knowledge into action. Then what are you? We can hear, hear, hear all day. But if we don't do anything. It's possible. And probable that we can become deceived. We can learn how to talk and look like Christians, but if we don't do anything with the word we hear, with the word that we just study, uh, we can deceive ourselves very easily into thinking that we're Christians. Verse 25. But the one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, and abides by it, not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer, that man will be blessed in what he does. What's the law of liberty? The righteousness and salvation of Jesus Christ. And having a true faith in that, a true faith in that, not the head knowledge, the true faith in that. If we abide in this, we don't forget what we learn, but we instead start putting into practice these things, we're going to be blessed Beyond our imaginations, even to the point that when we go through trials, we get to consider it joy. But it all starts with a true faith. Verse 26: "If anyone thinks himself to be religious and yet does not bridle his tongue but deceives his own heart, that man's religion is worthless." Pure and undefiled religion in the sight of our God and Father is this. To visit orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained by the world. To visit orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained by the world. James again is talking about the deception. One quick way to know what's in a man's heart? By listening to him speak then James goes on to remind us just how important action is in our faith. To take care of who? The least of these, right? God commands us to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and love your neighbor as yourself, especially the least of your neighbors. So it's only by grace through faith that we're saved, true faith. Okay, so it's not about works. I don't want you to think that. Okay? But if our actions don't line up with the word of God, then it's possible, it's possible that you're deceived, like I was. Again, nobody's perfect. Okay? But are we making progress? For the last line. Do me a favor if you have a pen or a pencil and uh, write this down. If you don't have a pen or a pencil, I just want to encourage you to read this to yourself. Notice that there's no punctuation here. I want you to ask yourself, how would God phrase this? If he was saying it to you, would it have a question mark at the end of it with a tone of uncertainty like, you're living for Jesus Christ? Or would it have an exclamation point where he would say, you are living for Jesus Christ? I know that Victory has a plan to expand this building, but I promise you that God doesn't want a church that's a mile wide and an inch deep. God is not interested in putting butts in the seats. He's interested in lives being transformed. Brian and Olivia are going to come up and lead us in worship um, as we close today. But I want to challenge you uh, during this time. To ask yourself, how would God read this question to me? Would he read that statement to you? Would it have a question mark? Or would it read with an exclamation point? I want to encourage you guys that salvation isn't just a prayer. Salvation is a surrender. Salvation is a commitment. if you're broken down this morning if you're tired you're ready for a change you find yourself where I was in that seat and you say you know what it's time to resubmit my life to Christ or you know what maybe I am being deceived maybe I do struggle with these kinds of things I want you to come on up we'd be happy to pray with you if you feel that the Holy Spirit's prompting prompting you to surrender come on up and let's pray and if you've never accepted Jesus Christ into your life, make this the day that you remember forever. Mother's Day 2017. Hey, the day that you re- surrendered your life to Jesus Christ. Come on up. That's you and let's pray together.